You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network. Oh. <laughs> As we return to random rewatches, uh, and we're doing it without Ross this week because we're in an alternate universe, an alternate universe where Jamie is the new Rossi, uh, and Colin is still Colin. What? <laughs> <laughs> We are here to talk about something that uh, long before we started doing these random rewatches a few months ago with Rossi and I, uh, Jamie and I were covering season one of Star Trek Discovery, and partly out of our disinterest in Star Trek Discovery, we uh, said, you know, it wouldn't be fun to watch like just a random episode of each Star Trek show, and we literally would pick it at random, unlike what we're doing with Rossi and I, just sort of each handpicking a show the other one's unaware of. This would be something where it's like, let's watch an episode from the original Star Trek, and then we'll do one from Next Generation, and we'll literally just do a random number generator. And lo and behold, we picked uh, an episode that was very closely tied to most of the stuff we were talking about in Star Trek Discovery. So Jamie and I are here today to talk a little bit of Star Trek and the original series, Season 2, Episode something, Mirror, Mirror. On the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? My name is Colin, and am I your woman? My name is Jamie, and I've oiled my traps. <laughs> she said that. She did say that in the episode, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to the story I kind of set this episode up on, uh, that we're talking like back when Star Trek Discovery finished, which was probably March or April, we're like, you know, maybe during the summer we'll get around and we'll do like, you know, one episode from each Star Trek series. And then that became, well, maybe we'll do it in the fall. And then that became... You got pregnant with twins and decided you were too tired to do anything for your whole first trimester. And I'm now finally so, you have tired. energy. You are tired, but not like before. I mean, it's 8.30 at night, and I've only had to wake you up once. Um, so it's gotten better. But uh, seeing as Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is going to be coming out soon, uh, which we probably will not do every single episode covering, but we'll do something on, we got to finally get around to doing these Star Trek rewatches here. And uh, the, the funny thing, just in covering this episode, Mirror, Mirror, is that Star Trek Discovery, the second half of the first season, almost entirely took place in the Mirror Universe. So the way we did this is uh, on the last episode of Star Trek Discovery we did, we put you know, a, a number generator on there. Any you know, number between one and I don't know how many episodes of Star Trek there were. Like one million. 80 or 90 or whatever. And season two, episode four came up, which was episode number whatever the number was. And literally completely at random, we picked the episode that was most tied to everything in Star Trek Discovery. I don't think we're going to have that luck. I think it's going to be interesting if we go through this and we do Star Trek Voyager and we just get the most boring episode ever of Star Trek Voyager. Or we do Star Trek The Next Generation and we get one of the you know first or second season episodes that are not nearly as fun. Uh, but today, we're in for a treat because we get something that not only is closely tied to everything in Star Trek Discovery we covered last year... But something that's actually really fun. As you sit here rubbing and scratching your twin pregnant belly, already distracted from the episode. It's itchy. I can't help it. I'm sure it it is. Um, Now, you have a terrible memory, uh, but do you know enough... We literally just finished watching this episode. You're like, do you remember anything? That's not where I was going with the terrible memory, but... um, as far as like the original Star Trek series, I mean, both of us are too young to have seen this show when it originally came out. Um... I wasn't. You, you probably don't even remember. I watched it with my mom. In 1968? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my point is, 
So this was before both of our times. Both of us grew up around the next generation in Deep Space Nine time period. Uh, but before we even talk about this episode, what are your memories of the original Star Trek TV series? This one with William Shatner, the, the original 60s show. When did you first get exposed to this series? Do you remember anything specific about it? Um, I think I saw episodes here and there with that one. Um, it was mostly uh, Next Generation. And uh, what was the one with the... Uh... The ca- captain, uh, the all of li- them. No, 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 the the one that was the lady, Voyager. Yeah, the lady captain. Yeah, as you say, <laughs> the lady. Uh, yeah, it was mostly those two. You're like, okay, did you just identify them all? Like, you really are one of these people. You're like the lady captain, the black captain, I was, the, I was, the bald captain. <laughs> I was gonna say the that. handsome Scott Bakula captain. I was gonna say the black captain, but I'm. Were you gonna call Patrick Stewart the bald captain? Well, with the English accent. Anyway, no. Um, is he from England? Yeah, I think his character is supposed to be French, though. I'm Jean Luc Picard. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know. Wait, what? what's Shatner? The uh, what captain? I don't know. The, the Canadian guy. captain? The guy with the really bad acting. Okay, <laughs> he's Canadian. He's a hero here. <laughs> um, no, anyways, so it was mostly those. I, I did watch some of the classic ones. My my mom was really into Star Trek, though, and it wasn't just because she liked Jean-Luc, but she she really just actually liked the series, and she remembered watching uh, the original from when she was younger. So I, I had a little bit of exposure, but not so much until I really started watching it with you years later. But you you watch um, this show and you could totally tell that they were really trying to play up on um, making everything seem like, oh, gadgets. And then mm-hmm. also like, oh, so colorful. Everybody has like a different color well, uniform. and Yeah, like the idea of the different color uniforms came from the fact this is the early days of color TV. Color, yeah. And they really wanted the show to be presented in color, which is why... You know, the captain has bright yellow, and there, there's bright red, and there's bright blue, and yeah, the, all of those colors. We saw the same thing in Lost in Space, which Rossi and I covered a couple of weeks ago. Early use of color, everything had to be big and bright. Mo- movie trivia. Okay, What's movie this? or TV? M- movie trivia. Well, What's this is the... TV, so... I know, but it's it fits exactly what we're talking about. What movie is this from? Give people a second answer in their head. In color. Blast from the past. Ben and I covered it. Yeah. One of the first recaps we did here with Brendan <laughs> Fraser. In color. Uh, good good call back there. Uh, so my memories of this, the original Star Trek series, uh, I started watching Star Trek when I was very young, when Next Generation first came on the air in the late 80s. Uh, my dad started watching it, and I mean, we lived in the metropolis of LaSalle, Manitoba, which now is a metropolis compared to then at the time, where it was maybe 250, 300 people. Uh, and we only got like certain channels, and one of the channels we were lucky enough to get, uh, we got good reception from one of the North Dakota stations. Um, and Star Trek Next Generation was brand new in syndication at the time, and my dad insisted on watching this. And I watched it, and even though I was a young kid, some of the stuff was probably over my head, I really liked it. So he started showing me other Star Trek. He's like, well, let me show you the old Star Trek. This is actually a new Star Trek. Let me show you the old stuff. Now, the old Star Trek series wasn't on the air, so he started showing me the Star Trek movies. I remember Wrath of Khan was on one week, The Search for Spock the next uh, they just happened to be on TV, and I watched those. And I became a big fan of the movies, the the William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy movies that were made during like the 80s and the 90s and everything. And that was my exposure to the original series. So much so that 
when I, for years, I, I, I think I eventually went back and I watched some episodes of this, but it was just a different tone. So I always looked at the original series as the boring Star Trek, where I would actually say, oh, it's probably my least favorite Star Trek series because it's boring. Now I get it. Now that I'm older, I can appreciate the slower storytelling and everything. Mm -hmm. But the funniest thing is looking at the characters because for, I mean, years, my only exposure to this original crew was in those movies. When I see these episodes, I'm almost shocked. I'm like, they're young. Like, <laughs> Scotty's trim. <laughs> yeah, you're so used to seeing it the other way, yeah. Yeah, like, I, my vision of these people are as, is as an older crew. So it's weird to me to watch this, even though I've seen probably every episode of the original Star Trek series now. I mean, it took me so long to watch. It's just, it's a weird thing with my memory that I will always remember them in their older years in those movies. Do you, do you ever feel like, I, I felt like this when I was watching this movie, or this um, episode, sorry, but because uh, you said you've seen the whole series, do you ever feel like, especially with this uh, uh, old um, uh, series, that it sometimes almost feels like you're watching a soap opera? Well, yeah, it's it's the different storytelling, especially with this one. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. This is a great episode, but it's not a perfect episode. There are some problems with it, and there's some uh, soap opera stuff we're going to get into. Uh, but now, had you ever seen this episode? Not when we first watched this back in May or June when we intended to cover this. And then here's the second funny story. So May or June comes around, and I'm like, well, Jamie, we we're going to do this during like the summer break after Survivor finished and everything. You know, we we're going to uh, do the Star Trek episodes throughout the summer. And you're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, do you want, what do you want to watch? This was just not even saying we're going to cover this episode. I was like, what do you want to watch tonight? You're like, well, why don't we watch some Star Trek? I'm like, okay, well. We are going to be covering that, you know, Mirror Universe episode. Do you want to watch that? Yeah. I'm like, okay, but we're not going to have a chance to record this till this is not like a Sunday. I'm like, we're not going to have a chance to record this till Wednesday or Thursday. You're like, okay. I'm like, all right. So are you going to remember this episode in three or four days? You're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I put it on. Nope. Three or four days later, you're like, oh, I don't remember anything about that episode. Great. Let's wait until we can watch again. And here we are six months later, seven months later, and we're recording it again. Yeah. So had you ever seen this episode prior to May or June? Uh, I don't think so. I, I know I had. Um, because, again, I watched uh, right before the um, the Chris uh, Pine movie came out. So 2009. I didn't watch, like, all the Star Trek shows. But uh, I had a couple of months off from work. And I was started watching, like, little bits of all the Star Trek shows. So I would probably go through maybe every two or three episodes. Whichever one that I remembered was particularly good. And that was the last time I saw this. Now, the funny thing is... I didn't remember this episode being as good as it was. Like, I think there's some, especially in the, when you get to the end of this episode, there's some really good stuff. Uh, but, as we said, the soap opera stuff in the middle definitely drags it down. Yeah. Uh, early stuff in this episode, let's just get into covering it now. They're on a diplomatic mission. Not to, to Alderaan. Alderaan. Not to Alderaan, to, to the Hulkins or wherever. There's a weird magnetic storm. You, don't this wanna, is just... you, you won't like them when they're mad. <laughs> good one. Uh, <laughs> so... There's a weird magnetic storm. Uh, everybody's freaking out. We got to get out of here. Kirk, of course, plays it cool. Um, and as they're getting beamed up, there's some type of you know weird dropping of the signal. They sort of phase in and out. And when they come to, they're on a different ship. It's clearly a mirror universe uh, because everything's slightly different. The uniforms are slightly different. I feel like they almost looked a little bit Klingon. Like, well, sli well, like slutty, not as dressed Klingon. Well, I mean... I could say Spock's wardrobe especially looks like the Klingons. The sashes is probably what did it too. Oh yeah, that, they all that have makes sense. sashes. Yeah. Spock has a beard. 
George Takei is straight, uh, very straight in this episode, as you pointed out. Yeah. So it's clearly a Muir universe. Uh, Uhura is showing cleavage. Kirk is showing more cleavage. Like, this is not the Star Trek we know. Um, so they don't really freak out as you think they would. Say, Why do you have a beard, Scott? Or Scott. <laughs> Mr. Scott? That's a different guy. Spock. Um, they just sort of go along with it. And uh, you kind of find out slowly that this is like an alternate universe or whatever. Uh, this is where I want to give this episode credit because it starts out like a typical Star Trek episode. But I would argue that very few TV shows had done anything like an alternate universe prior to this. I mean, the Twilight Zone had been around for a while and they did stories like this. But as far as just like a weekly TV series, I mean, Lost in Space did a story like this in probably around the same time. But I mean, this is pretty complex storytelling. Did, did for your, a 1960s show. Did your dad ever like Twilight Zone? I don't think he... I don't know. I mean, he died when I was eight. Hmm. I remember he showed me Star Wars. He showed me Star Trek. That, he showed me Superman. That's what I'm saying. It just seems like he would have been like... My, a, my dad like a nerd. Like, and, and that type of thing wasn't really that common as it is now. Like all these shows that you have like Stargate and no, you all know, this the, other the, stuff. The funny thing is my dad was not like a huge science fiction guy. Uh, and again, I... I could be completely wrong. He died when I was eight. But the things he showed me, I think it's more just I became such a huge sci-fi fan. So the things that I remember, especially those three things, he introduced me to Superman. Um, funny story about Superman. My dad recorded that on TV the when it was on TV when I was a kid. And I so want to finish the movie, but it's a long movie and it was like getting late when I had to go to bed. Uh, so he was recording it. Now this is with v- VCRs and everything. He paused it for a commercial and fell asleep. As it was getting close to the end of the movie, I remember woke you told up. Me that. Yeah, woke up. However many minutes later, this is after Lois Lane is dead in the movie. Yeah. So I literally saw you know Lois Lane in the car, and then all of a sudden it cuts to the scene where Superman finds her body and freaks out. This is the, the part my dad cut. Kind of, so for years, I I kind of gathered what happened, but that's all I knew. But anyways, yeah. So he introduced me to Superman, Star Wars, Star Trek. But I think it's just because I'm huge fans of these things. That's what I remember. I don't know if he was particularly huge sci-fi fan. Hmm. Um, I mean, you said your mom was. Actually, just going along with that about how you grew up watching this. Quantum Leap, too. Quantum Leap was my very favorite show as a kid. Yeah, my mom loved that one. Um, But I got into Star Trek The Next Generation again when my dad showed it to me. A couple years later, uh, I I got into it even more. We're talking probably around season four and five. I really got into Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, and it was something where I watched it every week. It wasn't like my mom got into it. Then my mom, a couple of years after this, got really into Star Trek. So I had all these phases where it's like parents introduced me to it. I watched it on my own. Parents got into it. Um, but yeah, it's sort of been a uh, concept for me. But anyways, back to this episode. Um, so you find out a whole bunch of weird things on the ship. We're not going to do like blow by blow in this episode. But whereas... In the original universe, Kirk and his crew, which is Scotty, Uhura, and McCoy, uh-huh. they were supposed to make peace or, or uh, do a diplomatic mission with these Hawkins. In this mirror universe, they're there to destroy them. Those are those orders. So now Kirk has come back and he's captain of a ship where they're essentially Nazis and he's supposed to kill all these people and he's got to find a way to stall. So a lot of this episode is just Kirk figuring out how to stall and, and not giving it away because it's a very aggressive crew that they have in this mirror universe this is very similar to what we saw in star trek discovery mirror universe so i mean uh do you get the mirror universe more from star trek discovery now that you've seen this um 
Uh, There's I, a gadget that you may recognize. I've kind of forgotten. Of course you have. <laughs> the other one, but um, I mean, it does make sense more. You had showed me a, a different mirror episode before, and so I kind of was a little bit familiar. That was this episode. That was back in May. No, no, no it was, there was a different <laughs> one. There's a different one. I'm sure there was. Yeah. There, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't know if it was. No, 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 it wasn't this season, though. It was the one with uh, the guy from Quantum Leap. Oh, it's the Scott Bakke ones. Yeah, so they go back to the Mirror Universe quite a bit in you, Deep Space you Nine. You showed me that one. Yeah, uh, in Deep Space Nine, they go back quite a bit. Uh, in Enterprise, they go back to the Mirror Universe uh, for a two-parter and then Discovery. So and, basically, And I think you showed me that one before we even watched the new Star Trek thing, so I kind of knew I, from then. We were like probably in the middle, or close to the middle of Discovery, and I was speculating, if you listened to the episodes you know, last year, you know that I was speculating that... Uh, Discovery was going to introduce the Mirror Universe, so I showed you these things so you had an understanding of it. Um, one other thing I want to point out, like the effects, when the Enterprises swap, right, is that that you know mirror switch happens, you see the two Enterprises. Uh, are you even aware of the fact that these are updated CGI effects? No. They do it to look like classic effects, but the only reason this, I bring this up is because there's something with, we watched the Honest trailer for The Last Jedi today, which I made... No uh, apologies. In fact, I'm not really a fan of The Last Jedi. But that trailer brought up the fact that like Star Wars fans are just brutal to Star Wars in ways that other series wouldn't be. And a perfect example is the Star Wars Special Editions, where everybody's so critical. Oh, the Special Editions suck. They didn't need to change the effects. And yet then everybody people... loves the Christmas special that is apparently horrible. No, no, people love that, ironically. There's a difference. But uh, the most people don't realize most of the updated effects in A New Hope, they don't even realize they're updated effects because they did it to look like classic ones. And they're also, if you go back and watch without the updated effects in Star Wars, it does look terrible. And that's why Star Trek... We're talking about 10 years ago when they did this. They decided to redo a bunch of bad effects from the TV series, but they just made it look like classic ones. So, I mean, well, and Star Wars is not the only thing that's done this. It's just the only one that fans decide they want to complain about. And it's amazing how, as technology advances and stuff like how we see uh, Blu-ray and uh, all that type of stuff with the TVs we have now, you can see things like people's nipples and everything else like yeah. that. Like, every, everything becomes super clear. And, yeah. And, and uh, I can't even remember what movie it was we were watching, and it was a classic one, and you're like, wow, the effects look so bad. Was it the original Jurassic Park? There was something like that. I don't like think that. so. Any, anyways, there was something like that where you, you just, you know, you watch it, and you're like, this looked way better when I was a kid, and not just because I was a kid. It's because the TV is literally not well, as yeah, clear. Well, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why it's it's okay to update visual effects for certain things. Like that. I mean, nobody complains when you remaster something to, you know, make it look clearer or, or to, you know, uh, upconvert it so it's in high definition. Change some bad effects. Who cares? I mean, most of the most of the effects in Star Wars. I remember reading an article years ago where they showed ninety separate effects shots that were changed in the Star Wars trilogy, and most people responded to that saying, "Huh, I didn't realize they actually changed this much." Therefore, most of the stuff they changed, people could not have cared less about. But anyway, Star Trek does it as well. I like that we got some updated, but still classic-looking effects. Um, most of the stuff that happens early in this episode, we're going to go everything up to the Mister thing. So. We have this uh, agonizer chamber, which this is the other thing I was asking if you remembered from the um, the new series from Discovery. This chamber they put people in, it's basically a torture chamber. Chekhov gets put in here in this episode. And it, it has this weird effect, but it's basically like some type of weird electrical disturbance thing. They're in this 
locked in this glass chamber and it's just supposed to torture them um we see that in this episode and that's one of the things that they used in discovery that was cool they brought back and um uh yeah i guess there's not much else to talk about other than the mistress plot other than the fact that everybody here oh other than i guess we get sulu acting very straight um and he he's a good actor because he looks like he gen like uh, and this isn't just uh, this isn't an, people are gonna take this offense it's not just a knock i mean george k but the fact is this is 1960s television the fact they got away with sulu basically semi trying to rape uhura uh and and doing it pretty i'm not gonna say graphically but like aggressively it was it was quite impressive to watch george k and this what i said he's a pretty good actor it's not just like a joke as in well he's gay he's acting straight you know because that's just what actors do it's more just I always found George Takei to be almost more over the top than William Shatner. And there's something so sinister about Sulu in this episode. Yeah. The way that he tries to rape Ahura, the way that he's constantly trying to kill Kirk. I really like Sulu. And I'm not one of these big George Takei fans. I'm not one of these big Sulu fans, but I love him. I love dark, you know, mirror universe Sulu. I I actually really like Spock in this episode. I like how even with the Mirror Universe one, he and by the way, if you wonder what I'm doing with my hands, I'm trying to give myself like a massage with my hands because my carpal tunnel really hurts. Okay. Um, but anyway, so he's got arthritis of the hands. No, I have carpal tunnel <laughs> from being pregnant with the twins. It honestly makes my fingertips feel numb. Anyways, so um, I really liked him because it it just felt like even though this was the mirror universe and it showed. Uh, that obviously he fit into this world. Yeah, he's um, still a, a sociopath himself. Yeah, uh, there, by the end of it, it was like there was almost redemption where you're like, oh, it's kind of like a happy ending for this guy. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would bring that up as well, the fact that like Leonard Nimoy is always good. I just don't find George Takei to be a particularly brilliant actor. Um, I, a lot of these actors are just so-so. I mean, there's this fandom about star trek now but when you go back and watch the original series there's a reason why it's sort of kirk spock and mccoy as the main stars because everybody else is just sort of bland and interchangeable they just have their unique looks um but yeah i love the whole sulu and ahura thing and the sulu trying to overthrow the captain um so let's get into the mistress plot the, this is well we should also mention that there are orders that kirk's supposed to be killed if he doesn't exterminate these hulkins or whatever uh which leads to the mistress plot now, my complaint here isn't that it's not good because I feel like this actually sets up how smart the episode is and that Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry always intended it to be kind of a social commentary and they find ways to do that here even though it's kind of an alternate universe. It's more of a fun story. This mistress plot, it does go somewhere, but man, does this run long. Yeah. Like I was, as we were re-watching this tonight, I went back and looked over my notes from May or June whenever we you know, originally watched this. And my notes from May and June was saying this mistress plot runs about 15 minutes too long. Uh, and it's not just the whole plot. It's literally one scene with Kirk and this mistress. And then they quickly cut away to Kirk, you know, sneaking away and communicating as his mistress is changing into something more comfortable. Uh, and when Kirk comes back, what are you doing? I'm just getting something to read. Oh, my goodness. You're so professional. I know. Um... When Kirk comes back, again, we just have another scene with this mischief. It just goes on too long. But I like the idea of this, uh, mostly because it makes Kirk look like a massive sleazebag. Uh, he comes in here. He's got this woman all over whom, who's clearly another, even though it is himself in an alternate universe. This is another man's mistress. 
And she's all over him. And I could just totally picture William Shatner. Like, I know it's wrong to sleep with this woman, but I must do it for the greater good. You know? <laughs> like, he's totally going along with this. He has no problems with sleeping with somebody in this mirror universe. Um, I love that uh, she gets upset because she's not being sexually objectified by him. <laughs> this is a mirror universe. And she, she says, ah, I've oiled my traps. Yeah, I've oiled my traps, which I don't even know what she was talking about in here. Uh, and uh, the the death button. This is the other thing I wanted to mention. Um, so Kirk has this thing in his room, which they're really good with the science in these shows, explaining how this technology works. This is not one of them. It's literally a view screen he could turn on his room that seems to be able to follow anybody anywhere. Like there's security cameras in every inch of this place. And all he does is press a button and it somehow will vaporize a person through a camera, <laughs> which makes no sense. But what I found interesting with this death button is that if you get a close look of it, and again, something they probably never intended to be seen in high definition when this was made in the 60s, this button is so worn. Like, it looks dented, beat up, faded, and... He, he's killed everyone. He has, but she says that, and it's a small detail that I don't even know if this was intentional, but it's a small detail in this episode that's really smart, where she says, you know, you've advanced your command all with this button and when she goes to pretend to push it like she's going to push it for Spock says, I could kill him right now she's kind of testing Kirk to see you know how cold are you um, this thing is so worn and so used and I, it was a small detail I thought was really good um, but anyways eventually he just tells this mistress you can be whatever you want to be and he still tries to get it on with her but uh, eventually after she tries to storm on him she decides no I'll stick around so he's made a difference in one woman's life um is this the soap opera stuff you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Did you enjoy the mistress subplot? No. Okay. <laughs> Reasons? Uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little bit unnecessary. No, I wouldn't say unnecessary. No, no, not unnecessary in the way that it was useless, if that makes sense. But, like, uh, what I mean, I don't know if you'll understand, is by the end of the episode when it shows her in the other, like, parallel uh, universe... Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really feel satisfaction from it. I was just like, well, what's the point? Well, I, I mean, that's just sort of a fun payoff at the end. What I disagree is with fun, is... Is it fun, though? Yeah. Um, what I disagree with is I feel like the payoff of this storyline in this universe with her is fantastic. It's one of the best things in this episode. Both the redemption of her and Spock make this episode. It's just they took too long to get there. And... Uh, this could be one of the reasons why, as a, as a kid growing up, I saw this as the boring Star Trek show. It's about 10 minutes longer than what modern TV is, because obviously there were less commercials back in those days. Yeah. Uh, so it, it does feel a little bit weirder. You've conditioned yourself over your entire lifespan to watch a show. Even if you're watching it with commercials, you know there's this many breaks in it. There's this much time to tell stories. It felt long. And I also feel like this being the 60s, sometimes they were stretching, you know, occasionally you would get scripts where you're like, wow, we got to cut two or three scenes here. And there would be other times when you're making TV and you're going to get a script and you're like, oh, we got to drag this out. Talk slower. Give, you know, some direction to, you know, uh, do some extended fight stuff or whatever. I feel like this sequence was, we don't quite have an hour's worth of materials. Let's stretch this an extra five minutes. For this episode, is it one that you would bin, rent, or buy? We'll get to that in the end. I, you know, you have a habit of always talking about six scenes later when I'll be like, so how about this Mr. Subplot? You're like, yeah, so when the fight scene came and Sulu was killed, 
But now you're actually jumping ahead even in the podcast format. No, I, I thought that we were like basically done because you're talking about stuff that's at the end. I don't know what It's else. not even close to the end yet. We were just talking about... No, you were. I was talking about the stuff with the, the mistress subplot in the middle and you went to... Yeah, so remember that last scene where she shows up again? That you were talking about the end, not no, me. No, that, that's not the middle. That's like the end. I know that's the end, but you brought that up. I was bringing oh, up the middle stuff. Okay, anyway. Oh, this is going so well. Um... Let's that's, get that's, to the that's end. That's why I don't lead episodes. Uh, I love that he says, you know, you could be anything you want to be, and then he basically takes advantage of her as his Like a subordinate. prostitute or like... Pretty like, much, yeah. Like basically like a... What would you even call that? A booty call? A booty... Well, that's basically what it's implying. I mean, her character is... I guess everybody in this universe does different things. You know, if you want to advance at the high level, you kill the people around you, which is why... They even say Kirk killed Captain Pike, which is a cool callback to the original. You know the story with Christopher Pike, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I think I just kind of giggled to myself when she was talking about how she'll go up in command any way she can, even if she has to start at the bottom and work through every officer. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm thinking of all the guys that she has to bang. I'm like, you know, how loose is her vagina? Oh, like seriously, who, 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 who wants to be with this lady? Like. She's probably, like, riddled with STDs. (laughs) She might be, but still. I mean, there's not a lot of women on the ship, you know? (laughs) Well, was there anyone besides... Well, there's Uhura. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm saying, was there anyone besides Uhura and her? I don't even think I saw anybody. Yeah, no, there's a... You're talking about just throughout the course of the show? I mean, you see women all the time in the background. But there is another... Supporting I did, I, character. I'm saying for this episode, I don't think I saw anybody else. No, but there is a supporting character, um, uh, Nurse uh, Chapel. She she was played by Gene Roddenberry's wife. Did, did you make up that character? No, I'll even show you. She becomes a doctor later on. Um, this was Gene Roddenberry's. I'm a doctor, wife. man, not an engineer. <laughs> yeah, I love that they had that line in this episode. We should count those. Um, so Gene Roddenberry's wife played Nurse Chapel in several original series episodes. They brought her back into the movies, and she was Dr. Chapel. Uh, so in the original Star Trek, the motion picture, which was the revival of Star Trek in 1979... She, she looks too glamorous for Star Trek. I don't does know. she? I mean, she? She doesn't look like she'd really fit. She looks too fancy. Well, what about all the other people? Kirk doesn't look glamorous? I don't know. Bearded Scott I mean, doesn't look glamorous? M- mind you, there is that other girl that everybody always drools over. Um, what's her face? The one who's like a telepath or empath or whatever. Troy? Yeah. Everybody always drools over her. Yeah. I don't know what you mean by too glamorous. I mean, here we're looking at her and Uhura standing next to each other. They, I mean, she's got a slightly shorter skirt. It's blue. <laughs> but anyways, so yes, Nurse Chapel was the other female character they had. But this is not a Nurse Chapel episode. Um, anyways, so the stuff on the end that's really good, as you mentioned, the uh, I'm a doctor, not an engineer, and then Scotty goes, you're an engineer now, Mr. Scott. <laughs> or Mr. Why do I keep calling everybody Scott? I don't know. That's Scotty in the mind here. Um, they... <laughs> Jamie's laughing. I'm not going to say why. <laughs> um, distractions in the episode. Uh, anyways, so we get a fight scene just as they're about to do the transporter switch again where they figured out how to get back to their original universe we have um a fight scene where spock not scott encounters spock. uh the the crew members and he knows something's going on uh we have a fight scene which was hilarious to watch now in high definition 
Yeah, because the the uh, guy who's the stunt double looks nothing like. I mean, him. none of the stunt doubles look anything like them. But again, you give them some credit because they never intended for this to be seen on anything other than a fuzzy reception of a 1960s TV. You know, uh, who would have thought like you know uh, high definition 50 years later would even be a thing? But you watch it now, like I swear, Spock's stunt double doesn't even have a beard in half the shots. <laughs> It looks really bad. Yeah, no, I don't. The really fight know. scenes are funny to watch too. Uh, even funnier is after Spock. Spock gets taken out with. What, do you remember what it was? Uh, no. They hit him on the back of the head with a porcelain bust. Oh, okay. And then suddenly he's apparently on the verge of death because McCoy's like, "We can't leave him. We can't leave this man to die." So, like all the things that happen in in any Star Trek episode, apparently getting hit on the back of the head with a porcelain bust is cause for death because it suddenly becomes a fight for Spock's life yeah I actually don't even have any idea how that happened like did they fracture his skull with that did they break well, his neck is he in a coma the, that he'll never wake I up mean, from basically McCoy says the rest of you go I'm gonna stay here and I gotta save the man's life all he does is he sticks a needle in his arm and he sits there scanning his chest so you hit something in the back of the head and their chest apparently just bursts or something it was just hilarious. That even funnier. Maybe than Maybe it was the, an adrenaline shot, like how how they do in Pulp Fiction. Okay, so <gasps> maybe he should have bandaged the back of his head since his skull was crushed. Um, even funnier than the bad stuntman fight uh, is the Sulu Kirk fight, which I wrote the blow by blow on here. They dance wrist to wrist slap, wrist to the back of the neck. <laughs> No joke. Sounds like the girliest fight ever. They grab each other and do a little dance together. They both hit each other's wrists with their wrists, like wrist chopping each other's wrists. And then Kirk hits him in the back of the neck with a wrist chop. And then Sulu goes out. Um, And of course, the mistress saves the day. She uses the death button, uh, the quirk on any camera, to vaporize every person in the room. Now, funniest thing here. We can't let the man die for Spock. But they just let every other crew member die in front of them and didn't care. Well, they weren't, like, top billing, so who who cares? <laughs> they were just extras. They showed no empathy, I guess. Um, they do say that, like, Spock, and you mentioned, the great thing about this episode is the redemption. A, the mistress has the redemption when she realized, like, you know, you can you don't have to be, you know, the mistress or whatever of some important guy. Because she basically says, well, if you don't want me anymore, I'm going to have to lend myself out to lieutenant or commander, whoever. Um, he's like, you don't have to be that. You can do whatever you want to be. And she decides she wants to be a murderer because that's what she does next. She kills half the crew. <laughs> um, she should be a Bond girl. <laughs> she would be a great Bond girl. Um, but after that, she'd be a great Bond villain. But after that, uh, you have her saying, take me with you. And she's saying, like, she wants to leave. She sees that the other universe, even just barely knowing anything, is a better universe. It's a great redemption story, as you said. This is what started, like, the whole social commentary. Like, it is possible to redeem somebody. And the second part of that being that Spock, who suddenly comes to, says, I can't let you go. And he gives him the speech about, you know, when will the Hulkins eventually revolt? It's 240 years. It's like, so you're fighting for an empire that can only last for 240 years. You know, you need to ask yourself, is, it, is what you're doing logical? It raises these moral questions and makes these characters think this is what Star Trek was always meant to be about. And even though the first third of this episode is kind of just fun, you know, uh, the second third is really boring, just endless conversation with the mistress. This last third is unbelievable. Like there's so much good stuff going on here. 
Um, and uh, oh, a couple other notes I have here. Um, I love that they have to fight each other when they say Some, somebody has to stay. And Scotty's like, I'll do it, Captain. And Kirk's like, no, it should be me. And I've, I was thinking to myself watching this episode, if one of you has to stay, like if we're there and one of us has to stay, do you want to stay in the universe where you're going to be forced to be a murderer and everybody else is going to be trying to murder you at the same time? Or a prostitute. Or a prostitute, yeah. No. But yeah, they're fighting. They're all like, I want to be the Nazi. No, I want to be the Nazi. Um, and the mistress, the only one who's a Nazi, wants to leave. Uh, but uh, when they eventually do, uh, Spock decides he's going to help them out of here. And it left with, it wasn't even like a happy ending. It's like, there's just a bit of hope. Spock says, I'll consider it. You know, the alt of the myriad bearded Spock says, I'll consider it. Really clever ending. Uh, when they get back to the regular universe, I love that the, the regular Spock was like, well, I could tell right away, you know, because it's easier to fake being a barbarian if you're a regular human being than it is to fake being a regular human being if you're a barbarian uh, and a savage. Um, but uh, the the thing that I found funny here is, you know, they had them in prison early in the episode, right? Like the mm-hmm. mirror universe mm-hmm. people. Um, when they were going to make this transporter shift, did they just sit there uh, or tell them stand there on the spot? Like I just visualized what was happening the five minutes leading up to. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, even for going back, we're like the barbarians like in a prison and they just, you know, went back on the transport. Oh. Yeah, they, they brought them out of the prison at gunpoint. And then they said, stand there. What if Kirk had said, no. And they're like, I'll shoot you. You shoot me and then the other Kirk doesn't come back. Like they would have had a lot of bargaining power yeah, to say, I, I don't know. You're very intrigued by this. That's interesting. Excellent commentary. No, I'm just saying, no, because at the end when they are actually going back to their universe, like just before they're arguing about it type of thing and they actually get on the transport, uh, you think to yourself, like uh, in the other parallel universe, like I said, are they in jail or are they, are they on the transport too somehow? Like h- how would they know to get onto the transport? You know, there's so many variables. I don't know. Well, and I think something that changed in Star Trek Discovery is the fact that you weren't even necessarily swapping places with your other person because the, the Captain Lorca, if you remember, he swapped places and his other person was nowhere to be found. And I don't know if he ended up being dead or something like that. But yeah, there was hmm. uh, you weren't literally just swapping places. But I don't know. This was just it was a fun introduction to the universe, and it's cool to see that so many things actually stayed the same in this mirror universe. Like even the acid spill. That acid spill. That uh, McCoy was talking about. He said, I spilled acid there a year ago when he was talking on his table. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I get what you're talking about there. Um, yeah, I think that all the shows did this really well. I loved the Deep Space Nine stuff, the Mirror Universe. I loved the Enterprise stuff. The Discovery stuff, for Star Trek Discovery, it was some of the better stuff. I don't think it holds up compared to this. Like Now that we've gone back and watched this, from what you remember of Discovery and from what you remember from an hour ago, you know, which Mirror Universe were you more into? Um, probably the one from, uh, the one with the guy from Quantum Leap. Enterprise? Yeah. Um, I almost wish we could just random fix it instead of random draw it so we could get that one for Enterprise, but maybe we'll see. Uh, anyways, Mirror Mirror, uh, season two, episode... Who's the fairest one of all? Uh, who's got the biggest cleavage of all? That would be Captain Kirk. (laughs) Um. I don't know. I think when they transported her, I think her boobs grew two sizes. They might have, and so did Kirk's, I think. (laughs) Uh, And by the time the motion picture came out uh, 13 years later, so did Scotty's, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Would you buy this, rent it, or bin it? I'd rent it because I'd watch it again, but it's not, like, amazing. (laughs) 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I just if if I go back and hear that you bought any of the Discovery Mirror Universe episodes and you want to rent this, I will literally divorce you on the spot. I don't know. You already threatened to divorce me earlier this week. Did I? Yeah, because I started singing boot scoot. Oh yeah, no, no, don't, don't. That's not funny. And actually, I told everybody in my department that I work at, because Colin and I work together. I told them, I said, if you get Colin on the phone, I said, start singing it, because that's his favorite song. Yeah, you know what? They'll make enemy very quickly doing that. (laughs) Or or you can sing if you don't want to sing that one. You can sing. Don't don't break my heart. No, just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Listen. The only thing worse than Star Trek Discovery is country music from the nineties. Is that this from is, the you've 90s got me though? in the agonizer right now? Is that from the nineties though? Oh yeah, that's Both all nineties. Yeah, I'm in the agonizer right now. Okay. Um. All right, so I'm gonna buy this one, even though I think that the middle section is very flawed because we watched this six or seven months ago, and my plan was to just get you because I remember it all. I'm like, I'll just get you to watch it on your own, uh, and then we'll cover it now six seven months later. Uh, but as soon as I started it, I'm like, this is just fun. I just want to watch it again. So I think this is one of the better episodes. I don't know if I would go as far as to say it's like top 10 from the classic series, but it's up there for me. I really like this episode. Yeah, no, uh, like I told you, I said I, I I like it. I think it has its flaws, but um, uh, for me to buy something, I would think, like, am I gonna, willing to spend money on this? I'm not willing to spend money on it. If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it again, or on TV, I'll watch it again. But so I'll rent it. Now that brings us to next week, which we don't know how we're going to do this because Star Trek Discovery is coming too soon, um, and we've got I think three weeks to cover five shows. So maybe Next Generation will be out a couple of days after this. Maybe we'll just do two episodes a day. Maybe we'll stretch this out past when Discovery comes out. But we are on Next Generation next. And this is by far the best Star Trek show. I think everybody can agree on that, right? Which one's the best? The Next Generation. Which one's that again? Oh. Picard? Yeah, I, you know what? I just wanted to mention... We got, I really love this show, but I get we, confused. We actually got uh, quite a, a good amount of positive response from our Discovery episodes, believe it or not. And I remember somebody writing it. I don't even remember what the whole episode was, or the whole um, comment they had was. But uh, it, it essentially boiled down to... Uh, Colin and uh, the, the other girl who does it with him, who doesn't know much about Star Trek, Jamie, I think is her name, <laughs> are really good. <laughs> Come on, people, Next remember my name. Picard. That's what Riker. I said. That's what I just said. I know, I said you, no, you, that's what you asked. There's uh, a difference. Anyway. I'm almost sad that we couldn't do more of these, but Rossi and I eventually have to come back. Um, now comes the fun part. Because we get to randomly generate a number between 1 and 178. There's 178 episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, and we'll keep pressing the button until we get one no, we like. No, we're not. That, that, it literally worked <laughs> out in our favor last time. We're going to test our luck here. If it ends up being a really bad episode, we'll roll with it. So let's go. We've got number 62 here. So what is number 62? A matter of perspective. Uh, okay, so this is season 3, episode 14. Uh, Riker is accused of murdering a scientist and faces an extradition hearing aboard the Enterprise. When everyone's version of what transpired is recreated in the holodeck, there's an initial plot element of Riker possibly attempting to rape the scientist's wife, or alternatively his wife being guilty of attempting to seduce Riker. In addition, the Enterprise is damaged by mysterious radiation that the rest of the crew works are, to resolve a... while the holodeck hearings are conducted. Are you seeing a repeating theme here? First it was Sulu trying to do that to her, yeah. and now it's Riker. There's a lot of rape in Star Trek. I never realized this before. <laughs> Um, boy, am I glad we didn't get a Dr. Crusher episode. <laughs> um, so this is next week, 
Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 14, A Matter of Perspective. I have watched every episode of The Next Generation probably more than once. Um, I have no recollection of this episode. Just looking, though, if we had landed one after this, if we had landed on episode number 63, we would have gotten Yesterday's Enterprise, which is considered by many to be the greatest episode the show ever had. So this is the episode before the greatest episode the show ever had. I have no memory of this, but it sounds fascinating. It makes me feel really old to see the air date for that. That's literally a year, well, almost a year after I was born. Were you watching this a year after you were born? My mom probably was. <laughs> I'm sure she was. Uh, Riker's about to rape somebody. <laughs> Stay tuned next week for Star Trek The Next Generation. Anyways, this is going to be fun. Uh, as I said, I don't know if these episodes are going up twice a week, two on the same day, two on alternating days, maybe even just one a week. But Next Generation will be coming next, so just keep watching out for it. Following that, we will do a random episode of Deep Space Nine, then a random episode of Voyager, and then a random episode of Enterprise. Uh, and then eventually we'll be back, as we did with Survivor this past season, and we'll be doing similarity with other shows. Because we're so busy, I mean, Ben does three TV show recaps each week. Um, I'm doing movie recaps with Ben, which, because Jamie as well is pregnant with twins, uh, we're kind of just trying to bank as many episodes as we can for when we know I'm not going to be available. So we won't have time to cover Star Trek Discovery every single week. But I'm sure we'll do like we did with Survivor, a premiere recap, something mid-season, and something at the end of the season. That's right. Are you at all excited for Star Trek Discovery Season 2? Mm, no. Spock's coming on it. Mm, he has a beard. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is it for us this week. Uh, fun way to start out this Star Trek random rewatch. Uh, stay tuned for iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find us. Uh, whenever we eventually put out the next episode. It will be in the next seven days, though, as we've waited uh, about nine months so far to get this one out. Um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. My name is Colin, and when the cat's away. And my name is Jamie, and please don't follow me on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.